Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome everyone to Beyond Surviving, the safe space for survivors of childhood sexual abuse to receive support, resources, and share their stories. Beyond Surviving is about freedom, healing, connection, and even laughter and fun. Most importantly, it's about letting go of the pain of abuse and finally moving on. I'm Rachel Grant, and for those of you who don't yet know me, I've been a sexual abuse recovery coach since 2007, and I'm the author of Beyond Surviving, The Final Stage of Recovery from Sexual Abuse. You can learn more about me and the Beyond Surviving program at rachelgrantcoaching.com. Now, one of the things that I, is bringing me a lot of joy these days um, is, you know, more and more people reaching out and say, hey, I, I found your podcast or I learned about you and I think I have something that I'd like to offer the community. And my guest today, Steve Seiler, is exactly one of those people. And he and I got to talk in and he has this amazing background in music. And uh, he's really going to be here today talking with us about how his love of music became a gateway for supporting others in healing. And it became such a thing for him that he went on to become the founder and director of Music for the Soul, which is a faith-based organization that creatively uses the power of songs and stories as a bridge to hope and healing for those facing life's most difficult issues. 
He is an accomplished, award-winning songwriter and music producer. Uh, Siler has had over 500 of his songs recorded in the Christian pop and country market. So, hey, celebrity, we got a celebrity in the house. And Steve, I am so, so glad to have you here with us. <laughs> Thank you for Hi. coming. I did not expect to be called a celebrity. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're very I'll totally welcome. live up to that intro. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, so, you know, one of the things when I was developing the Beyond Surviving program that happened very organically for me was weaving in music. Mm -hmm. So before every session, we listen to a song in the group program, and um, within the emails that I send out, there's always a little bonus, which is a song, and, you know, right. music has played such an important role in my, honestly, keeping my shit together, right, and making it through this journey, and so I'm really excited to explore this topic with you, particularly through the lens of somebody who's creating music. Mm -hmm. um, for this purpose. So can you tell us a little bit how you got in, into all of this? How did this become your life? Wow. Well, you know, I started out wanting to be like the second coming of Peter Frampton okay. and wound up <laughs> in a really different place. Uh, mm. uh, basically, I, I had been pursuing a, a staff songwriting career, wanting to be a staff writer uh, for many years. And I had my first hit song on the radio. This was when I was living in Los Angeles. Okay. And the minute I heard the song on the radio, I was like, hmm, this isn't it. I, oh, I didn't, wow. I didn't feel what I expected to feel. Because what I realized in that moment was that I was just kind of aping the culture and giving people what I thought they would buy. Okay. And there wasn't really anything of me in it. I wasn't invested in it on, on an emotional level. I, I didn't know that until I heard the song on the radio. So uh, I, late one night, I went into our church, which was open 24 hours a day, mm -hmm. and just basically sat there and said, you know, God, I feel like you gave me this gift of music. What am I supposed to be doing with it? Because I'm pretty sure this isn't it. Mm -hmm. And I got a call less than two weeks later from a total stranger. He had happened to visit our church on a Sunday when I played one of the, I'd written three faith-based songs up to that point, And he had happened to visit on a day I played one. And he called me up and he said, hi, uh, I've, I'm starring in uh, Les Rob at the Schubert Theater. I've licensed this, this book uh, on childhood sexual abuse. I'm going to do a stage play on it. I want it to be a musical. And I think you're the guy who's supposed to write the songs. Man, right. <laughs> divine so, appointment. Right. So I look at the phone and kind of look up the scene like, wow, that's <laughs> what just happened. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I met with him, of course, because I thought, OK. And he put this book on the table and I looked at it was actually a pastel drawing of a child's face. Mm. This far away expression in her eyes. And I looked at that child's face and I said, I don't know why you think I'm the guy. but if if you're going to offer me this opportunity, I would like to try and, and do mm -hmm. it. So mm -hmm. uh, I went home and read that book. It was a children's book. It didn't take very long to read it. But after I read it, I felt like this is this is something deeply, deeply important. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time I ever uh, got down on my knees and prayed next to the piano before I began to work. Never yeah. done that before. Oh, and and uh, I wrote four songs. Uh, each one very well supported by the content of the book because I wasn't a therapist. Mm 
Mm. You know, I didn't right. have any knowledge of the issue at that point. I didn't yet know that this was part of my own mom's story. Wasn't surprised to find that out later once I heard about the numbers of, of survivors that there are. Right. And so, uh, but I wrote those four songs. I took them to a therapist uh, that I happened okay. to know who uh, lived about 100 yards from our house, or her office was about 100 yards from our house. I took the songs in and I said, I don't know what I've done here. Oh, no, I wanna, right. I don't want to hurt anybody. Yeah. Would you please listen to these and tell me if, I've, if I'm on the right track, if I've got anything. Mm. That was a Friday. And she called me on Monday morning and she said, Steve, I hope you won't be angry with me. I used your songs with clients over the weekend. Wow. I was like, yeah. you did? <laughs> <laughs> and how'd that go? <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. Right. And I yeah. have never, ever even known to think that that was something you could do with me. Right, right. You know. Oh, I love that. So she really expanded your idea of even how music could be applied or used. Right, right. Okay. She set me un unwittingly, probably set me on the path that is that was my life's calling and is my life's work. Wow, that's oh. amazing. I love stories like that so very much because it is like you know, like this little moment leads to that little moment leads to this, and right. then bam, here we yeah. are yeah. in our passion and our purpose yeah. and thriving. Yeah. It's such an amazing thing that, you know, that you're an ally, you're an advocate, you know, um, not a, a survivor yourself of at least of particularly sexual trauma. We all have stuff in our life, of course. Um, but, you know, certainly um, finding out later, how much longer after you started doing this work did your mom share with you that she had experienced sexual trauma? Not, not long, not long. It, oh. you know, it came about within the, I would say, within a year or less. Yeah. That once we started production on the play, it basically consumed my life. I mean, it was mm. all I was doing for three mm -hmm. years. Okay. We, we did this play. We were invited into the LA public schools with this play. We yeah. did theater runs. We did colleges. We did churches. We did, it was just, you know, it was for three years. It was all we did. Mm. So as soon as it started to head in that direction, naturally, there was a lot of conversation with my mom about what we were working on. So it came out very organically as part of that discussion. Yeah. And I'm so curious, just if, because you mentioned that when this all started, you hadn't really spent a lot of, you know, time in the world of advocacy or thinking about this topic or learning about it, um, and that this project really entered you into the world of survivorship and all the things that people who've experienced trauma feel and go through. Yeah. And I'm so curious about how, when you arrived at that conversation with your mom, mm -hmm. like what role did that end up playing in, in how you were able to maybe show up for her or hear what she had to say? Do you think that that had an impact? It was, it was interesting because, you know, as the, as the child in the relationship, there's one dynamic. Yeah. And as soon as somebody come, becomes vulnerable with you in that sort of way, it kind of like it flips mm -hmm. and suddenly you feel if not parental, certainly protective. Yeah. And like you've been trusted with something yeah. which calls you to a, a, a higher level of responsibility and care for that person and trust, mm. you know, just so. And that was just the beginning because once people found out I was doing this work, I mean, I'd heard the statistic like one in three, that kind of thing in terms of the numbers of folks. And as soon as I started to actually do the work and be out there, I was stunned at how many people that I cared about who were friends. This was part of their story. It was everywhere. I, everywhere. Yeah. I yeah. Nice. 
And so this started to, you know, from getting that feedback and these conversations, it all kind of took on a life of its own, it, it sounds like. And you felt called to start your um, Music for the Full Soul, sorry, Music for the Full, no, mm -mm. <laughs> Music for the Soul Foundation. And uh, tell us a little bit more about that and what it's all about and what people can expect when they come and, and learn more about what you're doing there. Okay, first I have to tell you that the gap between when I did the, uh, what was then called the I Can't Talk About, I Can't Talk About It project, and the founding of Music of the Soul was actually about a decade. Really? Okay. Yeah. It's a journey. Um, yeah, it was quite a journey because I, I moved to Nashville, my wife and I moved to Nashville, and I got signed to a, a, a songwriting staff deal and immediately got pulled into that world, mm. writing for recording artists, and it felt kind of like like parallel to what I wanted to do maybe a little, but certainly not spot on. Got and it. so I was kind of frustrated, even though I was having a lot of success. I had, a, I had an unreasonable amount of success in a very short period of time. It was clearly the path I was supposed to be on. And I realized later that was the learning curve. Mm, also mm -hmm. the acquisition of great co-writers and great right. musicians and great musicians, connections, putting yes. a team together, right? And, and getting the credits because once you're a double award-winning writer and you got all these songs recorded, now people take your calls when, you know, it's, <laughs> oh, it's Steve. Like yeah, that. we got to talk to Steve. <laughs> Rachel, like that, it is. So anyway, yeah, I feel you. but, but basically what, you know, this, this burning in my soul just kept gnawing at me that I wanted mm -hmm. to go back to the work we'd done with the mm -hmm. I Can't Talk About a Project and treat a lot of different issues that way. Because I, as the more I learned, I thought, you know, trauma, uh, like you mentioned earlier, it doesn't discriminate. Everybody gets some of it and, and yeah. there are so many different issues. So uh, the lady who had written the book that our play was based upon had written 27 books called the Hurts of Childhood series. Hmm. And I looked at that and I said, why isn't there a music line that has, mm -hmm. you know, recordings for eating disorders, recordings for pornography addiction, recordings for suicide grief, and so on. Right. I thought, why isn't anybody doing that? And then, of course, the answer to that question is, well, Steve, maybe <laughs> I want you to do it. You're the one. <laughs> I so, guess that's going to be you, right? Me? Okay. So um, I really wanted to do it, and I was going to make the leap in 1998, and my wife said, you're not quite ready. She goes, sign mm. one more publishing deal. She said, you'll be ready at the end of the next deal. And she was exactly right. And so in 2001, that's when I formed Music for the Soul. And I think your question was, what do we do? You kind of yeah. it really well. But what we do is we use songs to help people find breakthrough, healing, hope, around the things that are almost impossible to talk about. I like to say mm -hmm. we express the inexpressible because songs have a way of cutting straight through, going right to the heart. There's actually yeah, brain science do. on this. Yeah. We process uh, language primarily in the left hemisphere of the brain. Yes. And we process uh, melody over here in the right hemisphere of the brain. Well, guess where trauma resides? Yeah. Right hemisphere. So when I talk to you, I'm not I'm not going to the heart of the matter, but when mm. I sing to you, mm -hmm. I've got the lyric in the in, in the lyric part of it is the language piece. So I got the left yes. part, and then I've got the melody piece. So now I got the right part. So I I like to think of it as kind of an all skate. Now the whole brain is engaged. Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> I love that all skate. You threw it back to skating. I love yeah, that. 
For those young people listening, he's talking about roller skating. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, I'm right there with you, man. That's beautiful, right? Yeah, it awakens, it enlivens, it helps us connect emotionally to things, parts of ourselves that might be really shut down or parts of ourselves that we're afraid to express. I remember particularly in my teen years, man, it was nine inch nails like every day, just angry, upset Mm -hmm. music because I didn't know how to express that feeling but this music you know helped me tap into that and feel it in a way that I couldn't through language we hear all the time one of the most routine comments that we receive is you put into words what I couldn't say Mm, my gosh I love that you add the music piece now you're talking about a memory device so in the case of innocent child when I sing to you that you're an innocent child I've got a 90% better chance that you're going to remember it than if I just mm-hmm. tell you. In fact I had a I had a woman the the moment that the seed for music for the soul was planted I had a woman at an incest survivor conference come up to me after I'd sung innocent child and she said people have been telling me I was an innocent child my whole life. I never believed it until I heard you sing it today. Yeah. Ooh, that's so powerful. I love that. I thought, oh, I'm supposed to do something about. Right. Oh my gosh. That was awesome. So obvious, even I could get it. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Oh my goodness. So let's take a quick break, and we come back. uh, I want us to listen to one of your songs and talk more about, you know, how we use the music um, to heal and to connect with each other. Have you ever felt like you've tried everything to heal from the pain of sexual abuse and yet nothing seems to be really helping? Well, one of the reasons why most people struggle to break free from the pain of past child abuse is because the techniques out there are positioned as a one-size-fits-all answer. What I want you to know is that there are actually three distinct phases on the path to recovery. And I'd love to share with you about these phases, what issues you must resolve to move to the next phase, and what kinds of support you'll need in order to move forward as quickly and completely as possible. The road to recovery is much easier when you know what stage you're in and what to do next. So don't hesitate. Go to rachelgrantcoaching.com slash checklist and get your nine-page guide today. Now back to our show. Awesome. So we left off talking about how one of the listeners of your song was so deeply impacted, and it helps her really connect into um, the understanding of herself as an innocent in this experience of trauma. And when you and I first got to talking, you sent me a couple of songs, and one of them that you sent me was um, No Power Over Me. Mm-hmm. Ooh, can you tell us a little bit, a little nugget of history of like what that song is and how it came to be? And then we'll listen to a little bit of it. Okay. I was actually asked by a therapist who uses our material quite a bit to uh, write a song. She was getting ready to work with one of the survivors from the Jerry Sandusky events up in Penn State. Mm. And, and she said, have you got anything for men? She goes, I need something for a male survivor. And so right away, I thought the dynamic of men wanting to feel strong and powerful, well, something that you're robbed of when you're abused is, is your power, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, sure. I, so I thought, okay, we need to take that and turn it on its head. And so I wrote that song specifically thinking of, of those, those men in that, that mm-hmm. I'd heard about that. Everybody heard about that story. It was all over the news for, for a while. 
But after I finished it, one of the first people that heard it was somebody on our board of directors who was a female survivor. And she said, oh, this is perfect. This is, just, this is, my, this is for me. And I thought, well, that's interesting because right. I, you know, if I'm honest, I really wasn't thinking about female survivors when I wrote this because I was trying so hard to get inside the skin and to try and feel like what would it feel like to be a man and, and, and be taken advantage of that way. Right. So that's where that lyric came from. But I'm, I was so pleased that women found it meaningful as well. Yeah, I think that's um, a real um, a real important piece to connect to here, which is that while there are certain distinctions that male survivors, you know, in between male and female survivors, by and large, the experience resonates across gender, across sexual orientation, faith, religion, race, all of this, that at the end of the day, we've had an experience where our autonomy has been violated, our right to choose. Right. Um, and, and the very first line of this song, for so long, I felt that I was damaged as if nothing I did was enough. Mm. Oh, man, if that ever captured, you know, how I felt, how I know so many of my clients feel, let's have a little listen, shall we? Thank you so much for that beautiful gift. And um, people who would like to hear more of that song, where do they go? How do they find your music? Musicforthesoul.org mm-hmm. is our website. Everything uh, on our site streams. Uh, some of the stuff is available in physical copies like CD, if anybody still does that. Uh, <laughs> right also, on. They can also download the songs either as albums or individually. Uh, but the lyrics are reprinted there and they, all the songs do stream and slowly but surely we're getting on onto all the other streaming services 
it's uh, it's a lot of administration, which is not my favorite end of the pond, so to speak. Sure. We're, we're getting there, but everything is at the site. I love that. And something you and I talked about when we first met also was because I tend to lean towards the agnostic, you know, end of the spectrum is, you know, you're a guy of God and you're, you know, you're down for it. And a lot of your music comes from that place of spirit and God and guidance and universe and these sorts of things. So for people who maybe don't identify um, as having faith or believing in God, will they find something there too? I think they will, and the best answer I think I can give you um, is that my approach to, to songwriting has always been, uh, I won't shoehorn Jesus into a song to make somebody happy or to make mm. them think that our stuff is Christian. Mm -hmm. I also won't excise him from a song if he belongs there. Yeah. And in our catalog, there are many songs where he belongs, and there are many songs where he's certainly informing my worldview but but i've had we got an endorsement um, from uh, the american association of suicidology for our chaos of the heart record on grieving a suicide and that is a secular organization mm -hmm. they actually commented on how artfully the record was produced so that someone who was not a person of faith could get what they needed out of it so oh, i would like to think that that your listeners who are not people of faith uh, would feel comfortable listening to our catalog. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. So I really encourage you all listening, pop on over to musicforthesoul.org and check out the music that's there. Now, something else I'm really curious about is this um, Innocent Child project that you're working on. What is that? And what are you doing? Well, uh, the play that I that started this whole thing, mm -hmm. uh, I have had so many requests through the years to film it. Uh, we did the, the three years in Los Angeles of performances. Then we, we got invited to Mississippi uh, mm. to do it again. After the Sandusky thing broke, we got invited to, to come down there and do a run in Mississippi. And we just had lots of people requesting. Uh, it's amazing to me that one person in particular who, who first attended the play almost 30 years ago. I mean, gosh, it was 1991. Wow. Yeah. And recently saying, you've got to do this. This is the best. Wow. This changed my life. This was the best thing that, that ever happened, you know, for, for survivors need to know about mm -hmm. this, need to access the healing that comes through this piece. And so I'm really feeling a burden to get it filmed finally. And so that's what the Innocent Child Project, I changed the name because I can't talk about it. Every time we, we use that name, people would make a joke. Well, why not? Ha, ha, ha. This is not a laughing and what I do want survivors to take away is that they are innocent, that this yeah. was not their fault. This was done to them. And so I think having the title be innocent child, even if they don't get to see it or hear it, we're still getting an opportunity to plant that message in survivors' mm -hmm. hearts, which is what I want to do. That's so powerful. Yeah, I love that so very much. And, I, and how, what kind of support are you needing around this project right now? Well, obviously financial, for one mm -hmm. thing, it's expensive to film something. We have a great film crew. We've, we've won awards with our uh, music videos and our documentaries in the past. So I feel like we have that piece of it pretty well together. Um, we're going to be looking for the right place to stage it. Mm. And of course, we're going to have to cast it 
where, and it would make sense to cast it where we stage it. Mm -hmm. And I'm currently looking at a couple of different locations that could be possible. So I'm really open to that. I don't, since right. that hasn't been decided yet, I'm open to, to, to God's leading on where it's supposed to take place. Okay. Obviously, once it's filmed, it can go around the world. And that would mm. be my heart, would be mm. that people in Australia and people in Europe and people in Asia, you know, yes. possibly that everybody can see it. And that's why I really want to get it done. It's kind of like, you want to talk about bucket list? Right. For, for me, this is, this is my big bucket list. This oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Well, one of my graduates is a costume designer. So if you need costuming, you let me know. I'll get you all connected, okay? <laughs> but for people who want to support your project, it sounds like they can go to musicforthesoul.org slash innocent-child-project. And is there a link there where they can donate and contribute or offer ideas or suggestions or resources? There's a couple of things. There's a there's a link that, at that page that you just mentioned to a brochure that tells mm. more about the project. Okay. There's a link to our donate page, and there's a drop down that says Innocent Child, so they can select that, and they can of course email me from the website with any other information or ideas they have. So okay. absolutely open to hearing from anyone who's interested. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm really excited about the idea that we're starting to you know generate more films. Um, and uh, that, are, that are covering this topic that are and mm -hmm. just the fact that that can really expand your reach that mm -hmm. you can get into people's homes on their computers yeah. and mm -hmm. they can be sitting in the comfort of their home and, and watching this project. Um, so even if you're not sure if you want to donate um, or have resources to offer, be sure to follow so that you can help spread the word and help yeah. generate, you know, interest. Yeah. Um, that's a great way to support as well, for sure. Yeah. One thing I want to mention real quickly about the film, too, is since it was based on a children's book and the drawings were so lovely, we're actually going to animate as well. So when, Ooh, yes. when, the, when the dove flies over the ocean, he'll, he'll leap, leap off the windowsill and the person will turn into the dove and fly over the ocean and we're going to yeah. open animation to live action and back and forth. So that'll be Oh, good. man, that's so fabulous. <laughs> I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Yes, you're right. <laughs> like, get it together. It's coming. Well, you know, I, I absolutely believe that all things happen in their due and perfect time and that everything that you need for this project to, to move forward is going to come in um, into view any day and as, as needed. Um, and you're doing just such really beautiful, powerful work. I'm curious, outside of the world of the music that you've written for, I'm going to put you on the spot, Steve, here it comes. Do you have a favorite song? A favorite song? Oh, gosh. That's really, really, really hard. <laughs> I'll uh, rephrase also. And or, do you have a song that you know that you often go to when you want, you know, support, that's, encouragement? That's easier. Mm. People will be surprised since I'm a songwriter and a lyricist as well. Um, when I need a, a good cry and to just let it all out, I turn out the lights and I put on any one of two or three Randy Newman film scores, <laughs> Awakenings. Yeah. That guy can take your heart and just squeeze in such a sweet way. Oh my gosh. I, it hurts so good. Now I'm, quoting John Cougar Mellencamp, but still, <laughs> yes, just, you are. <laughs> I just really love Randy Newman's film score work. And it, it oh, just, my gosh. Absolutely transports me. 
Well, that's awesome. Now, I won't put you on the spot without putting myself on the spot. Okay. So um, there are a variety of songs that are coming to mind. But, you know, for whatever reason, George Michael is kind of like my go-to because okay. he can take me into like, you know, one more try. I can get into my sad space and feel kind of mopey and feel those feelings. And then I can get into my like, you know, whatever and just like killing it mode and happy and joy and ain't no mountain high enough. I love his version of that um so he's definitely somebody who i you know will turn on when i'm wanting some music um but honestly like i wake up the first thing i do in the morning after meditation is i turn on music and i just let let it play right shuffle shuffle on my phone and you know like the soundtrack of the soundtrack of our lives right the songs that mark the moments of you know healing and i remember like very distinctly um there's a Tracy Chapman song. Um, oh, I'm going to forget the name. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Welcome to your 40s, Rachel. So, um, <laughs> anywho, um, it was such a, a song of like self-compassion mm-hmm. and um, done so many things wrong. I don't know if I can do right is one of the lyrics in that song. Mm-hmm. And I remember just sitting with that song in one of my darkest periods and just really feeling into like, this is really what it feels like to be me right now. But also there's this space in that song where it's calling us and calling you to like this next self and, and where do you go from here? And just calling in someone to stand with you in that. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about music too. Like sometimes we can get caught up in our words and we don't know what to say to someone, but we can send them a good song, yep. you know? And what I hear you saying is that when you hear that good song, you're not alone. Yeah. And I think that's all any of us really want to know, is that mm. we're not alone, is that somebody else understands what we're feeling. Because oh, if somebody man. else understands, then we're not the only person who ever felt this way. Yeah. That's, that's something that's impossible to endure, feeling like you're the only one. Yeah. So I think music creates community for us. I agree. Well, on that powerful, beautiful note, Steve, thank you so much for being here with me today. It's been such a joy to get to know you more and to hear your story. Um, And for those of you listening, please go over to musicforthesoul.org. Check out um, all of the resources and, of course, all of the music that's available to you. Thank you, Steve. God bless. Thank you. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in and joining us today. Don't forget to visit rachelgrantcoaching.com to learn more about sexual abuse recovery coaching and explore the other resources available on the site. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a note and come back next time because we have so much more to share. And until then, take good care of you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 